Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy today's episode, which is The Age of Ultron. Because That's What Heroes Do is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy. In this episode, we consider Ant-Man. I know you will enjoy it. Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series, is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Megan Doherty for our continued exploration and our challenge, which is we're going to review the entire MCU on Popcorn and Compliance. Why? Well, because it's there, and we're uber, uber, uber-duber MCU fans. <laughs> We're going to review these films in chronological order, not by release date. Uh, and I have to say, if you've never watched these, watch them in chronological order. It makes a lot more sense. Um, but today we're back with uh, The Age of Ultron. I'm Tom Fox, your co-host, founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative. And so, yeah, let's get into the Age of Ultron, uh, the next uh, Avengers proper movie. So, Megan, um, I really thought about this almost more philosophically because it really brought to the fore some issues that I think a lot of people are thinking about, um, if not struggling with. And that's kind of the use of AI, um, not so much the use Mm -hmm. of technology. We have explored that in other MCU movies, but uh, what makes a being sentient? Um, what makes uh, or what, why is there a need for some type of bipedal uh, appearance, whether with skin or without? Um, you know, what's the uh, what should uh, a full robot look like, uh, etc.? And 
Um, we have lots of those issues, uh, machine learning as well, in this episode. Um, it, it, of course, has uh, lots of action, and we see uh, lots of action in this one, really starting with the um, start of uh, the movie, where there's a great attack on the location, a hydro location, where they have both uh, Loki's sword or, or scepter and the twins are there. Uh, that we referenced in uh, a prior episode, and the twins being the Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver, uh, Wanda, uh, and uh, her brother Pietro. Uh, and that, that was just a roaringly fun uh, little sequence to uh, to open this movie. But um, I really enjoyed the science fiction part of this movie almost as much as the action that I obviously love from all of these uh, did that resonate with you or do you, you know, go in a different direction? Uh, no, I, I enjoyed the science fiction aspect of it. And I think you, you hit it exactly. The the AI and the way the evil AI was developed. And as soon as it uncovered consciousness, it discovered that humanity really should be destroyed. And I think that that's a trope that has come up, uh, you know, since people have been writing about robots. Uh, and it, it's a really interesting way of, of looking at it. Uh, the other thing I really noticed about this film, other than kind of the conversation around, um, you know, what is AI, what's its value, um, why do we make robots that look like people? They're incredibly creepy. Um, but it was uh, it was really another, it, and it was the Avengers movie, and it was a really teen movie, so especially in that opening scene that you mentioned, uh, the way they were all fighting together really solidified that these people have been working as a team for a while. They were coordinated. They had, like, teamwork moves uh, that were great. Uh, so it was really cool to see, kind of, they have been at least practicing, if not going on missions together, in the time intervening between the, t- the films. Um, and they, I think, did that um, to really set up the fact that, you know, soon there's going to be a break coming. And there are really different viewpoints and outlooks on what it's going to mean to save the world, what tools are we going to use to do it, and, and what does, uh, you know, what needs to be destroyed in the process. So I thought, uh, I, I also saw kind of that philosophical view of the movie, but uh, less about the technology and more about, um, you know, the ethics of saving the world, uh, which I thought was really interesting. That theme of uh, robots um, becoming self-aware and deciding that uh, to get rid of the uh, uh, bad parts of humanity, you just have to kill off humanity. Uh, That was explored in Star Trek and what are little girls made of. It was obviously explored in the Terminator when Skynet uh, becomes self-aware. So you're right. It's a continuing theme. Mm -hmm. The thing that really I liked about this uh, way to think about it was obviously there was an ongoing dialogue and, and really uh, a deep dialogue um, between Ultron, uh, between um, Tony Stark, uh, between uh, Bruce Banner uh, when he was not the uh, Incredible Hulk, and then uh, at the end, Jarvis. And um, Jarvis is or was an AI program that was created by Tony Stark. And Ultron uh, appeared to appropriate Jarvis, but it turned out that Jarvis was hiding uh, within the Internet that um, Ultron had appropriated. So I found that whole part uh, really fascinating uh, as well. The, um, and I really like your point at the end that it's not that we've hit an inflection, but we go down um, uh, some divergent philosophical paths in this movie, starting in this movie and in the next couple. And um, 
that was really driven home to me, actually, by the Sokovia sequence, uh, because uh, in, a, in a hugely mm. spectacular CGI, part of a country, a, a big city in Sokovia is lifted out of the earth, and then um, Ultron is going to drop it and uh, have the effect of uh, a meteor hitting the earth with multiple times uh, the power of an atomic bomb and, and literally destroying the earth. Um uh, which is uh, what the Avengers say, spoiler alert, um, or keep from happening. Uh, but that event, you know, that takes us into one of the next movies uh, and certainly all the way through the series and indeed even into some of the uh, short uh, episode, episodic television series uh, that we'll explore later, particularly around uh, Sam and the Winter Soldier. So um, uh, I think you're absolutely right that this one – uh, and and I had forgotten that it's not that things turn or we take a break, but we're introduced to some new paths beyond just the pure excitement that I think I found in, in the first, you know, mm-hmm. 12 or 13 that, that we looked at. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And, and once again, when I first saw the movie, I didn't fully appreciate all of that, but uh, upon rewatching this, particularly uh, in chronological order, and this is, I have to say the third time now I've sat through and watched them all in chronological order. Uh, I'm finally beginning uh, to get to it. Let me turn to another part that was both equally exciting and frankly, equally troubling, which was um, Wanda, uh, the Scarlet Witch and the mind control she exercised uh, prior to uh, moving over to the side of lightness and joining the Avengers. Uh, I thought those were uh, very creepy. And the Thor scenes, uh, I think, probably were the creepiest to me, although she she creeped out everyone whose head she inhabited. What, how did you feel about about those? I thought it was really interesting because what, what, what a power. Like, what a huge, massive power to be able to reach into someone and make them experience that which they're most afraid of. Uh, I thought that was, it was really, really interesting and showing everyone what they're afraid of, really the consequences of their own actions kind of came up again and again. This is the, you know, am I going to fail? Am I not going to be able to do it? Are my actions going to do more harm than good? Um, Especially I think for Tony Stark, that hit him the hardest. Um, And I I think it's really interesting also is after she, uh, you know, Wanda the Scarlet, which makes the turn to the light, um, unless I'm forgetting something big, she doesn't really use the mind control powers again. That's something I think she she gives up and focuses more on the the you know matter uh, and reality manipulation, which is so cool. Um, but it really you know it was her evil power, uh, not not her good power. Right. Um, so yeah, she um, she and Pietro are uh, orphaned uh, because their apartment they are in is shelled, and uh, their parents are killed. And a shell hits in their apartment and does not explode, and it says Stark Industries on it. And um, they are in that apartment, I think, for 48 hours looking at that shell, sort of praying it won't explode. And so they have a deep hatred of Tony Stark. But about halfway or a little over halfway through the movie, Ultron uh, obtains uh, not consciousness but a consciousness with a body and a brain. And at that point, Wanda is able to read his brain and sees what he has in 
plan for the earth and humans is not what he's been telling she and her brother. So they switch sides over uh, to the Avengers. Uh, that was pretty interesting. The whole, um, I really found that whole part where Ultron uh, escaped from Tony Stark's penthouse, uh, kidnaps the, uh, the female scientist, uh, gets himself a body and a form so that uh, not that he can uh, he can walk upright, but now he has and he has consciousness. But now it's in a corporeal form, and I found all of that really uh, interesting. Uh, not a, a big part of the movie, but that's an interesting, I think, ethical and philosophical debate as well. And so, kind of all of these things made me think a lot more about questions I had not really posed to myself uh, when I watched the movie one the first time I watched it because I didn't understand it the second times I was focused much more on the action uh sequences uh as well so um this one was uh for me much more cerebral and uh both cerebral in terms of raising some Mm -hmm. good questions cerebral in terms of um to face your deepest demons uh and uh those those sorts of issues so how about uh, some Easter eggs or other things that you saw running through this that you wanted to bring up? Well, the, uh, just a, a last point on the, the twins, which I mm-hmm. thought was, was really nice because they were, they were radicalized as children, basically, to, to join this you know, effectively a terrorist organization. Um, and I, I thought that the, the fact that it was that when Wanda saw what the outcome was going to be, it was going to be the destruction of the world, the destruction of all these people – um, that's what made them turn because, you know, no one gets radicalized so they can be the bad guy. You know, it's always for a good or at least a well-intentioned purpose um, and, you know, thinking you're going to be doing what's right. And um, I I love the way they changed sides when they found out, you know, what they were actually working for. I thought it was really lovely. Uh, and then in, in terms of um, Easter eggs, I, I think my favorite was language. Language. <laughs> Do you kiss your mother with that mouse? Uh, just the teasing of Cap for for this kind of forty sensibilities was delightful. Um, there was a lot of really lovely kind of family building. Now that they're all friendships, their team, they're working together, and the way they all interact, the um, challenges over who can lift Mjolnir uh, was pretty great. And Thor kind of being secretly pretty happy that most most no one no one can lift it yet. That's good. That's good for him. Uh, and finally, um, well, not quite finally, but Hawkeye. We have to talk about Hawkeye. Because uh, this was really a, a formation and a development of Clint as a character, too, getting to see his family, uh, getting to see a better look at the kind of relationship he and Nat had, how she was involved with his family, um, and how Clint, for as soon as we saw that he had a family in this beautiful farmhouse and his lovely wife and his precious children, um, he became dad. And he didn't stop being dad for the rest of the movie because he saw, you know, Wanda and Pietro, and he's like, nope, these these kids need a dad. <laughs> I am going to dad them through this. I, I just, I, I was absolutely charmed by it. You know, you know how I am with, with dad themes in movies. Um, so I loved that. And uh, it really um, hiked Hawkeye up in my esteem and, and in my affections as a character. And the other kind of, I guess, big one was the, the Nat and Banner uh, relationship and Hulk as a character um, being used. And I thought um, kind of that betrayal of, of Banner at the end when, when Bruce and, now we're going to run away, and she has, she pushes them over the edge, and she's like, "Sorry, we need the other guy." Um, and I think that it, it broke something in him. It broke something really vital um, in him, and I think that's why he fled uh, at the end. And I just thought it was pretty heartbroken because um, they would have been a great couple. I really I liked that relationship. Whew, and those are my thoughts. 
<laughs> what about uh, cookies and Easter eggs for you? We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more on MCU The Winter Soldier. Clint's wife, uh, uh, it was 30 seconds to a minute into the farmhouse scene where she's like, it's great to see Nat with somebody. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, are you blind? It's like, that's, uh, that was, yeah, that was such a guy. Like, what? Really? I'll tell you when you grow no. up. <laughs> Them together? Uh, so that was, um, that was pretty good. Uh, I love the bar scene and Tony's, uh, <laughs> uh, Tony's penthouse where uh, 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 Bruce says, you know, what are you doing here? And it's like some guy done me wrong. And they have this whole scene uh, right before uh, the big attack. That was pretty cool. The, um, but I had a, a different kind of cookie and that was the character claw. And he's the guy who's stolen the vibranium and we'll see him in a, in a subsequent film. First of all, that mm. actor is Andy Sedaris, and he is generally that. recognized as the top um, sort of uh, CGI actor. So he'll do voice, and he'll get all dressed up in the CGI outfit, and he'll be a completely different character. And his most famous is Lord of the Rings character, my pretty. Um, and this is the first time I think I've seen him at... Really, yeah, he's my pretty. That's him, um, and and he plays a lot of those types of roles. So I thought it was cool to see him in the flesh. But it was also cool when uh, he pisses off Ultron, and Ultron, out of uh, anger, cuts off his arm. And that is a direct tribute to Star Wars. Uh, there are lots of arms cut off in the MCU, and that is an homage to Luke, mm-hmm. uh, losing his arm. Uh, and much yeah. like Luke gets a new arm, uh, at the end of <laughs> the, uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, Claw gets a new arm that we'll see in the next movie that we see him at, uh, are in. And that of course is, uh, the Black Panther. So, um, but, uh, there was a couple of other ways. Of course the, the Winter Soldier as well, um, lost right? and got a new Exactly. Arm. So there's several of those. There's a couple of other things that uh, I really picked up around uh, leadership ideas in the group. Um, And the decision by um, Tony to um, build Jarvis without telling anyone is the start to uh, the crevicing and breaking apart of the group that we see in some upcoming movies and uh, that really uh, but that really spoke to me about uh, why you don't make unilateral decisions as a leader and whether the decision was right or wrong is not the point it was that um, if you're a team you have to make even if you're the leader team you need to not make unilateral decisions second is um, you touched on this Megan which is coming together as a team and the first major uh, scene that we talked about where they attack the Hydra facility really showed what happens when you combine strengths. And I thought it was the outcome of them having spent some serious time together. Um, 
Next, fear is the ultimate derailer. And we saw that as a huge part of this movie as well. And then you also hit on my next point, which was uh, have a contingency plan, which was when Nat threw Banner over the cliff, said we need the other guy. And uh, so that was the contingency plan. Uh, We need the other guy. And we have another guy and we have a Hulk and he shows up. So um, it was, uh, uh, I thought, uh, a vision. And we do have a vision and we see vision. So um, where does this one kind of fall in, 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 in who is worthy? That's a great point. Where does this fall in terms of uh, like or dislike for you, Megan? Oh, I definitely like this one. Um, I, I, I really did. Um, I, I love the form up mo- moments. As you know, we got it right at the beginning and then right at the end um, before, you know, as the city is raising into the sky and they're, they're fighting off the little bits and pieces of Ultron. Uh, really, really great moments. Uh, and I, I like how they let themselves really have fun. Um, you know, the, the, the writing was funny. They were enjoying each other's company as well as, as uh, you know, fighting the bad guys and saving the world, you know, for good or ill. Um, and I think there was one moment that really hit that home for me, that, like, that they're friends now. And it was when um, Stark and Thor are kind of standing outside headquarters and they're just chatting about whose girlfriend is smarter and more impressive. And they're having this little back and forth. It's like, oh, yeah, I think mine's going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, like, Pepper's running a whole company. It's like, I would listen to their podcast where they're just fighting about whose girlfriend is cooler forever. Um, but, like, so the affection is established, you know, between the team and between us listening. So I think this was, this is pretty high up on my list of, of ones that I really like. I didn't get so much out of it the first time I watched it. It just kind of felt like a filler movie uh, in between, you know, the big ones or the exciting ones. Um, I liked it a lot more uh, on the second viewing. I got a lot more out of it. Um, and I love how they're, they're not shying away from, you know, humorous little bits, letting them have fun, um, or the really important philosophical issues, uh, that you don't necessarily expect out of superhero movies. So I, I, I I like it quite a lot. Well, uh, I liked it, uh, much more in subsequent viewings. If I view it again, and I'm sure I will, I will probably find additional levels that I hadn't (laughs) seen yet. So I'm probably going to like it, uh, even more. Uh, but the other thing you hit on, I really want our audience to to recognize is we go down some very different paths after this movie. And um, they're not all, mm-hmm. you know, action or espionage like uh, Winter Soldier was. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at, uh, in a very entertaining way, some, some pretty important philosophical questions. And this one for me is one of the uh, inflection points where we start to do that. So... Um, Unfortunately, we're into our time for this episode, but uh, please join us again for our next episode where Meg and I will be back to take up Ant-Man. Can't wait. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. As I said at the end of the podcast, next episode will be Ant-Man, so I hope you'll plan to join Megan and I as we take up that entree into the MCU oeuvre. I'd also like to tell you about a special podcast series that has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files. In The Corruption Files, I'm joined by Hughes Hubbard partner Mike DeBernardis, and we take a deep dive into some of the most interesting FCPA and international 
anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years, which have really created the modern era of FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement. Check out the Corruption Files on the Compliance Podcast Network, Megaphone, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.